Welcome to another episode of Keeping It Rail. While you listen to this podcast and think about the topics we'll explore, remember that the areas you're moving into are always most important. Always prepare for what you're about to do and always know what's happening while you're doing it. That's how you move to protect others and yourself. Now, from headquarters, here's our host, Jason Francis. Welcome to another episode of Keeping It Rail. Who do we have today, Travis? Today we have one of our fleet operations managers, Eric Showmore. Why don't we start at the beginning here? When did you come to rail and what do you do here? I came to rail July 1st of 2019. I spent a lot of time with new experience hires, really kind of focusing on that program. And um, past year, I found myself doing most of the student planning and was promoted to the lead fleet manager. And about two months ago, I was promoted to fleet ops manager. Well, congratulations. Thank you. I've had a lot of mentorship and guidance from Mitch and Deb. So I thank a lot of them for my success here. And yourself. I like to think so. They, They promoted me this far. Well, that fast too, man. That's, that's pretty impressive. Um, that explains why I don't know who you are, though, because you're on the flatbed side and I'm over in the reefer world. So I do have a little bit of experience in the flatbed world. I was a curtain side driver for a little while, so I got a little bit of experience over there. But what did you do before trucking, Eric? So I didn't have a whole lot of job experience and stuff. Um, pretty much as soon as I got my bachelor's degree. Um, I went on a six-month uh, military assignment. When I got back, I had a little bit of some pocket change to really kind of find a good job, not having to feel rushed into picking the first thing that called me back. And um, and yeah, I'm, before this, I did a lot of just um, construction work, just kind of handyman stuff. Um, I used to run the state funeral team um, that was pretty flexible with my schedule and stuff. And before that, not a whole lot in college. I uh, oh. came to rail when I was 23, so not a whole lot of job experience. What is a funeral yeah. team? Um, I'm part of the Indiana National Guard, and we have a funeral team that goes out to um, deceased veterans, and we uh, you know, give honors. And about 99% of our services are just people that pass away of old age. And it, it's just a lot of people... Um, you know, we show up services, we do our part of it, and then on to the next one. And I used to run that team um, just because I was a part of it for about five years. And I found a lot of those skills directly translated to being a fleet manager, uh, oddly enough, between having to manage a team of people, um, staff different, um, different services in different locations and setting up travel, um, having to uh, go to funeral homes and make sure that they know who we are. So kind of like soliciting freights. And um, it, I kind of just, when Joe Gustafson called me for rail, I'm like, wow, this this fits. This makes sense. And that that's kind of how I got so interested and wanted to be here. And I don't regret it ever looking back. Major props, man. That was the other thing that caught my interest was the military assignment. Obviously, I don't want details, but you were you said you're part of the National Guard. 
Yep. It was just a, uh, just a six month training, um, for my job. Nothing, nothing special. Um, it just took a while. Right on. I served myself back in the dark ages. You know, we went over to the, we went over to Desert Storm there and stuff and Panama and stuff. So it was, it was a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, so to speak. So <laughs> props on your service, man. Thanks for your service. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. What was it about rail that, uh, I mean, besides the uh, correlations to, you know, that uh, task that you had with the military and honoring those fallen uh, militants and people that served, uh, what was it about rail? A lot of places, you kind of just felt like your time was being wasted from the moment you stepped in the door. When I pulled up the rail, my name was on the door. Rail welcomes Eric Schomer. And sit down. They met me right away. I got a job preview, which was something unique. Um, and then had a pretty good just interview with Mitch and Deb. And the entire time, I felt valued here. I'd never dream that I would be able to fit into such a great place. And it's really just the culture, the values and everything. I, I feel at home here. And you got to feel good, good about you got to feel good about doing this kind of work too. you know, not just the environment that the organization, you know, sets up and maintains, but just being in the industry and, you know, moving stuff, right. It's like, it's good stuff. Yep. One of the things that made me like extremely proud as a fleet manager was just how successful I made my drivers knowing that they're making good paychecks and they're successful made it worthwhile to me. And even when they had bad days or bad weeks, being able to get through it together as a team, it, it just made me feel professionally satisfied. So how does the, you said you were a fleet training manager on the flat flatbed side. How does yep. the, how does the training work on the flatbed side of things. I do that on the reefer side of things. I'm a fleet training manager. So yeah. So somewhat the same or. Yeah. Um, and granted it has evolved a little bit over the years, but uh, phase two, you know, um, immediately finishing get your CDL. They're going out with a trainer for about 19 to 20, 21 days ish. Um, you know, they're with an over the road trainer. We're doing student training record conversations um, we're documenting the loads that they do, making sure that they can do it by themselves. And once they get through that milestone, we set them up with the driver skills evaluation, make sure that they can actually do it. Um, from there, we put them in phase three. And uh, the big difference between uh, flatbed and Van Reefer is flatbed for our phase three. It's about 45 to 60 days, and we require a close quarters training and a check ride. So close quarters somewhere in the beginning, just making sure that, hey, you can go home, take about five days off, drive a car, and then come back to work, drive a truck and not hit something. And then the check ride, we try to keep around the 45 day mark just to make sure that, you know, the month and a half of driving, they haven't picked up any bad habits by themselves and um, just kind of that check on learning, sort of say. Sure. There's a lot more involved there with all the load securement and stuff too. So they have to, they have a lot more to learn on the flatbed side, I assume. So. Oh yeah, definitely. What are some habits that you are seeing that uh, you can let that new driver know about 
to either avoid or uh, take in and you know develop and make a habit for themselves. Don't rush. Just take your time. Uh, it, it gets it gets put into people's heads that they have to go 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 in order to be successful, and that's not the case. And I've seen it happen way too many times with flatbed drivers that. They rush their securements, they rush their tarping, they try to get to the next spot as fast as possible, and the time they spend fixing their mistakes, you know, would have been a lot more time if they just did right the first time. Um, you know, they, they feel like they have to try to cram 10 years of driving experience into a month to, you know, be successful like all the veteran truckers, when in all reality... Just do your job right the first time around. Learn how, how right feels and build upon that, and you'll get there in, in short time. Promise you that. I I get that on our side too. They always want to. I, I want to do it just like my trainer did it. I want to do it just like my trainer. I say, yeah, but your trainer's been driving for fifteen years. You know, there's no way you can keep up with that. You know, so you gotta like you like you're saying, you gotta take your time. Gotta learn how to do it right first time, and then go from there. So. After fleet manager, then you went up to, you said team lead, right? That's, uh, you're in charge of uh, the FTMs? So I was, um, wasn't actually officially in charge of everyone, but I was kind of just the lead peer amongst my group of peers. And I was actually put in charge of student planning. So making sure that students are getting on trucks or trainers. I did a lot of the trainer recruiting as well to help build that team up and um just by virtue of that i found myself doing a lot of like uh a travel for the flatbed team i ended up getting really involved in driver payroll for a lot of the flatbed team and pretty much being a jack of all trades in that aspect yeah. and um and deb helped oversee a lot of that too with me and um she helped make a lot of the uh decisions and stuff when it whenever it came time to how to divvy up responsibility and work and stuff like that. Um, I worked very closely with our phase two fleet training managers throughout that process too. Right on. So that leads us to your current role, the FOM. What is a, what is, what is an FOM for the people so, listening that don't know? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, fleet operations manager, you know, oversees, you know, fleet managers. So the same way how a fleet manager oversees drivers and the fleet manager cares about, you know, driver success, I care about my fleet managers and their success and their ability to create driver success. So we're all here, you know, from the top all the way down to the bottom for driver success. And doesn't matter if I have one people underneath me or two, 10, 20, 100, um, the message is still the same. Same. We want you guys to be successful, and we're here to lead for that. What are some of the challenges that we see out there in the flatbed world? What are I know I know on our side of things we we are having some freight issues. I, I assume that goes your your side of things too. Sadly, yes, the market is not an ideal situation right now. Um, you know, having to deal with new customers for the first time that might have a different type of just 
that's cargo that we're not used to, maybe different sets of procedures, or we might be on a service watch and we're just trying to do everything possible to make sure that, you know, we're delivering freight on time, claim free, while also still making sure that we're focusing on our drivers you know it, it is definitely a value triangle we're trying to balance everything because you can't go too far into one side without the whole thing kind of collapsing um definitely freight i would say probably helping our drivers understand too um the best way to use their time they're not always used to having to wait maybe 30 minutes an hour for a load so how can we best utilize that time um are there things in Rayleigh University you might be able to knock out? Um, can we start heading you in a direction to go to a truck stop and wait, or maybe start heading towards a potential customer? It's just trying to think about how can we best utilize you for the future? Or if we just need to, hey, let's just park it and let's let's put you off duty or in sleep for birth, let's save that clock. No need to stay on duty if you're not doing anything. Stuff like that. Right on. So what are we doing, you know, the freight challenges? We had um, Kevin Leaders on here, and he he talked about all the different avenues that are going on to book more freight. Are, are, are we chasing them down on the flatbed side, too? Are we actively actively searching for more customers, new customers, that kind of thing? So, Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I know I don't have the entire customer service team here in Gary, but the ones that are here, I, I hear them working their butts off all the time, trying to find new ways to solicit freight and keeping drivers busy. Um, I hear it in the morning meetings all the time, just the different um, salesmen that are going to different places, trying to open up new freight lanes and avenues of approaches for us. And then, you know, that that's the, uh, that that's the proactive side with trying to get freights. And then on our side, I, I hear the fleet managers really trying to um, talk to their drivers about when they show up to customers, be courteous, be professional. Let's make sure we leave a good lasting impression so we can play the defense game and secure the customers we do have. They go to us because we give quality service and we need to make sure we continue to do that. If a driver thinks that they have a, a window to deliver between like, you know, seven and 10, but that might not be accurate. We want to make sure that they know, hey, this is actually an appointment for seven o'clock. You know, if you can't make it, let us know, but don't just sleep in because you felt like it and, you know, miss service. And now we might lose a customer. And if we lose a customer, that that hurts us with keeping driver success, um, with keeping them paid, keeping people moving. And it's not just one person we're hurting. We're hurting a lot of other drivers and their ability to, you know, maintain a solid employment here. So just as an overall, how do you think we're doing with the customers? Are we doing a good job? We definitely are. There, There is room for improvement like anything. You know, nothing is ever perfect. Um, and especially, at least on the flatbed side, when you have nearly 700 individual people with individual personalities and stuff, you know, th th there's always something that we can continue to do to better the process. Overall, I think we have a solid team that's doing a great job, not just because of the drivers, but because of all those people behind the scenes, the fleet managers, customer service, and everywhere up and down the chain. The drivers are definitely the face, and they get a lot of the credit. Um, yeah, I, I think we're doing exceptionally well, especially with the freight environment that we're in. 
and compares to other carriers, you, you see other carriers hurting a lot. And I, I think that ultimately comes back to our wallet values. That's something that we can control. I couldn't agree more, man. I couldn't agree more. Here I am nodding as the radio show. You know, I'm sitting here nodding mm -hmm. and saying, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so what about, what, what? how about we get to know Eric a little bit more here? What do you do when you're not at rail? What do you like? What do you like to do? Hobbies, fun stuff, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So outside of rail, um, I am just as busy at home as I am at work. Um, I have two sons. Um, I have a two-year-old name. Uh, EJ stands for Eric Jr. I named them that for me. And then uh, I have a four-month-old named Everett. So um, I have a wonderful wife named Danielle. We've been married for going on seven years now. And I just spend a lot of time doing family stuff. Um, she also works full-time too, and we're almost at opposite schedules. So a good portion of our time is just spend taking care of the kids. And when that that free time does overlap. We definitely try to make the best use of family time. Um, if I ever get just alone personal time to myself, I'm probably spending it playing either video games or just doing some military stuff, trying to take care of whatever I got going on for my next drill or just taking care of my soldiers. Sure. My family time is very important. My uh, My kids are growing up and moved out and Hell, I got to chase them down all the time to spend any time with them. But <laughs> yeah, so uh, when you guys do have time that overlaps and matches up, what do you guys like to do? So uh, we like to, we have a couple of parks around our place. We like to go to the parks. My son loves big trucks and stuff. So uh, we live kind of close to a fire station, so sometimes we'll we'll, we'll take a family stroll and uh, go to the park, maybe cross by the you know the fire station, see the trucks and stuff. Um, you guys walking, wife, biking, skating? What do you guys like to do? We, we walk. Um, okay. Everything's pretty pretty local where I live. I mean, I I'm practically like a ten minute walk to the terminal myself. So, um, my wife will sometimes bring my sons um, over for lunch. Um, that's always a a nice surprise when we can make it happen. Um, everyone here at work loves seeing the kids and stuff, and uh, they're, they're they're practically real babies with how often they've they've come here. So <laughs> that's cool, man. That's cool. If my daughter was to come by, she'd be in a semi truck. She's a truck driver too. Um, I know you mentioned video games. I'm not a I'm not a huge gamer, but what is it you play? We do, we have a lot of gamers that listen to us. It's always a point oh, yeah. of interest. So I, I play practically a little bit of everything. Um, I mean, like right now I'm playing Diablo, playing a little bit of uh, Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Um, in my spare time, I play Minecraft because it's very easy to pick up and drop down and just come back at it. Um, plus, my wife plays it too, and hopefully my kids do eventually. Um, that That's another easy family thing that we can do. Um, and then Final Fantasy 16. So... And like I said, I play when I can. I don't, I don't get a whole lot of time, but uh, yeah, that's about it with that. Right on. I've never actually played Minecraft, so I don't know anything about it, but I see my my next door neighbor plays it all the time. And every time I come over there, he's building stuff. And and, and it seems interesting to me. I'm, I'm not much of a gamer, but I like the racing games. You know, I'm addicted to the NASCAR game. I 
I, I spend way more time than I want to admit on there. So what else would be good to share with uh, our teammates, Eric, from your point of view? I would say, you know, being here for almost four years and just the amount of experience I've had with teammates across all divisions, everyone plays a part. And I would say it's very easy to point the finger when something isn't going your way. Um, I would just share the fact that, you know, people are people, people are human, and we're all a team here. So let's do our best with the given frame environments. It will turn around eventually. And if things ever don't go your way, you know, don't uh, throw people under the bus because that might be you one day getting thrown under and it's never good. So let's be kind and curious to our teammates. Let's make the place better. Let, let, let's support each other because if one part of the team goes down, we, we all feel it in some way, shape or form. The neat thing about trucking is there's people from all different corners of the world here um from the drivers to the people in the office they come from all different walks of life and we all seem to mesh together quite well it seems like the more the more different kinds of people we have the better it even works so it is an incredibly diverse organization and industry it makes it fun and uh lots of opportunity for people out there listening looking for a career I think that I'm about ready to wrap it up if you are, unless you got something else. What would you tell those new people coming in? Take it one day at a time. Um, you'll never stop learning. And don't, don't be afraid to ask questions. If you make a mistake, own up to it. And uh, just take your time as well. You know, th these are people that we're dealing with and you can't make a decision and move on and not, think about how that could potentially impact, you know, their side of things, their, their livelihood. Nice. Yeah. Very good. Very good advice. Jason, do you want to ask him our question? If you could have a dinner party with three people, anybody in the world alive or dead, who would those three people be? I would probably say the first one would be, my great grandpa, who was my, my inspiration to join the military, and he uh, he shortly passed away after I was born, so I never had a chance to actually meet him. So that'd be the first one. Um, second one for religious reasons, probably Jesus. Man, now this now this third one, and I and actually because I have two people, I'm just trying to think about who would I want to see more. We'll um, just throw them, throw them both out there. That's fine. We'll say it's a dinner party for four people. <laughs> okay. So, um, the other one would be one of my close uh, friends from the military um, that's no longer with us. I would love to have dinner with him again. And then um, the the fourth one is a, another family member that's no longer with us. So, yeah, just. I guess my inspiration behind all of it was fond memories and knowledge. Very good. Very good. I'm a musician, of course, so I picked musicians, of course, just right off the bat. Boom, boom, boom. And Travis has uh, Travis has some interesting ones, too. So, Anything you want to add uh, to people listening out there, drivers, non-drivers, anybody out there listening, you want to add anything? 
before we wrap this up? Don't be a stranger. Say hi. Smile. Yeah. All right. I think Close that us does off. it. I think so. That does it. Keep that shiny side up and the dirty side down. Be safe out there, y'all. See you yeah. next time. Thanks for being here, Eric. Thanks for having me.